Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul, first this beautiful morning. Lord, my soul thirsts once again to be here in your presence. King of kings and Lord of lords, thank you for the privilege to worship you again this morning. I magnify the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. I magnify the one who is Yahweh, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I magnify the hope of the nations. Scripture says to you all of creation we look to and their faces will be enlightened. Receive all our praises this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We worship you because you are the one who is holy. You are righteous and faithful. You are God Almighty. Receive all our praises, O God. Father, we ask this morning that as we read our Bibles again in your presence, and as we learn, we ask, grant us wisdom and understanding. Help us to imbibe your word and let your name be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eyeneke. So we continue our study of the New Testament. We are currently in the book of Galatians. But first of all, let me say a big thank you to everyone joining in this morning. I hope you're doing well. I pray that the grace of God we are bound in your life. I pray you will continue to increase in every area of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, we dive straight back in. We stopped on Galatians chapter 2. Today we will be taking Galatians chapter 3. Now, I am tempted for us to, to move on to Galatians chapter 4. But it is important that we, we spend time understanding Galatians chapter 3, spend time separately on understanding Galatians chapter 4, and then we can take Galatians chapter 5 and 6. I think that's how I want us to, to read it. I know I promised that we should take two chapters each day, but let's separate this. Let's take Galatians chapter 3. Now, the reason is this. Paul wrote to the Galatians church, and I did an introduction, I did a preamble why he was writing to this church. This was a Gentile church, but they were being, will I say, pestered, they were being set upon by these Jews who were insisting that they ought to convert to Judaism before they can become Christians, okay? They are not stopping them from accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. They are saying that for them to qualify, qualify to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, just like them, those of them who are Jews, for them to qualify to do that, they would need to first of all convert to Judaism. 
In other words, they will need to keep the dictates, the laws, the laws of circumcision, the laws of Moses, the way we call it. Okay, they will need to keep that. Then they will qualify. <laughs> they will qualify to be able to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If not, uh, the message of the cross was not for them. Jesus died for the nation of Israel. That was how they understood it. That was actually the two separate acts that this group was now divided into. Those who believed that they had been sent to the Jews, and in reaching the Jews, they felt the message was to the Jewish nation alone. And then those like Paul on Paul's side and Barnabas' side and Titus and, the, and Apollos who believed God had given them this same message, but it was also supposed to reach the Gentiles. They were not saying that they would not reach the Jews. They were saying this, me this message is for the whole world. And so Galatians chapter 3, Paul tries to, to, to explain and distinguish that the message of the law is different from the message of faith and grace. They are two separate parts. Okay? So, we do not need to accept the law to accept grace. In fact, in chapter 4, he will go on to say that the law was only lingered for a while. Now that grace has come, the law ought to exit. Amen? The law ought to exit. And so let's read Galatians chapter 3 this morning and let's see how much Paul blesses us. See, this is something important for a lot of Christians to understand because even today we, 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 had, a, so we had some legalism. Yes, we had some legalism into the message of grace. And we tell people that, look, ah, pastor, the way you are preaching this message of grace, if we really, really preach it, it will give people the cloak to sin. But Paul will tell us that, look, you can't really accept this message. In fact, in, in the book of Romans, they told him, because that was the contention, was grace a cloak or a freedom to, con to continue to sin? Paul said, you don't understand this message then. If you understand what grace is all about, and that's what he will seek to explain, in Galatians chapter 3. Please get your Bibles. Let's read together this morning. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1. The law and faith in Christ. It says, O foolish Galatians, <laughs> who has cast an evil spell on you? Because the Galatian church were beginning to listen to these guys. Some of them had even converted into Judaism. And to tell you the truth, it wasn't only because of that. Now, the emperors of those times also accepted Judaism. <laughs> and so, converting to Judaism first, why holding on to, claiming to hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ uh, was a way to escape, to escape the persecution of that time. <laughs> so Paul said, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. When we preach this thing to you about the death of Jesus, the implication of his death on the cross, Paul says it was as clear 
as if we painted it on a pic we painted it on a picture and of course we know that this will eventually happen right people will paint pictures we have pictures of the cross pictures of 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 the last feast the passover feast and things like that paul said look it was as if you had seen the picture of his death on the cross let me ask you this one question did you receive the holy spirit by obeying the law of moses <laughs> because the the path of faith is very different from the laws of moses there are two separate parts so telling us that we ought to in fact paul will remember he said he withstood peter telling us that we have to be obeying the path of faith uh, the part of the law, Paul is saying that when you receive the Holy Spirit, with how many of you even have the Holy Spirit? For those of you who practice the law, how many of you have the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. But for those of us who have received Christ by faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul is asking them that the Holy Spirit that you receive, was it based on the fact that you obeyed the law Maybe you were circumcised, you went to you 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 went to church, you kept the Sabbath day only on Saturday, um, and all the laws that you have to obey. Remember, if you broke one, you've broken the entire law. Paul said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you had about Christ. You received the Holy Spirit because you believe the message you had about Christ. Three, says, how foolish can you be? How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you not trying to become perfect by your own, <laughs> by your own human effort? And I'm telling you, this is where most Christians are. <laughs> you did not save yourself. Why do you think you are going to become holy, you are going to become perfect, you are all of the work of grace, you are going to achieve that or God needs you to achieve that by your own human effort? Which, because that is the law. The law is human effort. It is trying to, to, to obtain righteousness by your good deeds by i keep this i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this that is not the way of grace paul says have you experienced so much for nothing no let me back up to three again says how foolish can you be how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit why are you not trying to become perfect by your own human effort i tell someone listening this morning you can't start in the spirit. You started it in the spirit. Now you want to complete it. You think it is by, by how, how righteous you are? You think it is because you pray so much? <laughs> that is why the power of God is moving in your life. Oh, it doesn't work like that. So Paul says, verse 4, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? It was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obeyed the law? Hmm? Was it because you obeyed the law that God worked miracles among you? God working miracles in the life of Christ? Was it because Christ was, in quotes, 
trying to obey the dictates of the law. Hmm? It wasn't. It wasn't that. It was grace. The message of grace began with Christ. And that was a message he handed over to us. So Paul says, um, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obeyed the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you had about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. What we fail to realize, because Abraham is really our father. He is the father of faith. Abraham was the one that God made this promise to. You see, even for Abraham, Abraham did not need to keep the law. The law entered through Moses. But the promise was made to Abraham 430 years, long, long before, before the law came. And so the law cannot negate grace. So it says in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. It wasn't because Abraham was a perfect person or Abraham was keeping the law. It says the real children, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. The real children are those who put their faith in God. Not those who think <laughs> it is the law. No. See, what more? The scripture looked forward to this time when God will make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God, yes, the scripture looked forward to that time. See, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. That was the promise God made to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Genesis chapter 18, verse 18. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. God says all nations will be blessed through you. It wasn't just the nation of Israel. It was going to be all nations. All nations means all nations, right? <laughs> all the nations of the world. He says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of of his faith. All, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Say, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his cause. Why? The law brings a cause. The law says, thou shall not kill. If you kill, this is the implication. If you go and read, go and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. When they were pronouncing the blessings and the curses upon the upon the two the two mountains, hmm? <laughs> if you do this, God will do this. If you break His law, this is what will happen. Hmm. Says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse. For the Scripture says, the Scripture says, curses everyone who does not obey, who does not observe and obey all all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 28. Cause is anyone, everyone, who does not obey, observe and obey all. I underline all. You can't obey some and think you escape or you are, you are, you are okay. No, you have to obey all. So it is clear that no one, verse 11, it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. No one. Why? Because no one can keep all the law. That was why no one was ever made right in the presence of God by keeping the law. There were many whom God declared righteous 
Abraham, for example, God declared him righteous. It wasn't because of his obeying the law. No, it was by grace. It is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says it is true faith that a righteous person has life. That is what the scripture says. It is true faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse, verse 4. It is true faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law. Which says it is true obeying the law that a person has life. Okay. So there are two. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5. And Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. One says it is true obeying the law that a person has life. The other one says it is true faith that a righteous person has life. The question is which one will you choose? Will you choose the law that no one can help, no one, even Moses, eh? even Moses broke the law. Yes, even Moses himself, the one who received the law, broke the law. He could not keep it. And so trying to obtain righteousness obtain life okay trying to obtain it by obeying the law is signing the dotted line that you will not make it so abacuc 2 4 says it is true faith that a righteous person has life 13 is but but christ has rescued us from the cause pronounced by the law Christ has rescued us from the cause pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the, the, the cause for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cause is everyone who is hung on a cross. So when Christ died on that cross, he was, as it were, receiving on himself all the cause of all of us. Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 3 causes anyone that hung on a tree. So Christ rescued us from the cross, from the cause pronounced by the law when he died on our behalf. That is faith. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then there is no cause for us. For it is written in the scripture, causes everyone who is hung on the tree. He says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise. Those of us who are believers might receive the promise. We have been blessed with exactly, exactly the same promise God made to Abraham. We have received it in faith, through faith in Christ. So that we who are believers might receive the promise, the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Verse 15, dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. So Paul explains it with an example. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. So it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. It is an irrevocable agreement. God gave the promises to Abraham and to Abraham and his child because the promise was made to Abraham's seed. It says, and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children. Hmm? 
to his children, to Abraham's seeds. Instead, it says to his seed, as it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, that's to his seed. And, and that, of course, means, means Christ. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled. 430 years later, when God gave the law to Moses, God will be breaking his promise. It is an irrevocable promise. An irrevocable promise that God made to Abraham. And so, because the law entered, did not cancel the promise. It did not cancel the promise. It says, Abraham, it says the agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise if he did that. Say, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promises. Because Abraham had to accept God's promise. God made the promise to him and to his seed. So if Abraham could achieve it by obeying the law, then it would not be by promise. It would not be a promise. He said, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promises. God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. 19. Why then was the law given? Why then was the law given? Paul will explain why God gave, gives us the law. He said, it was given alongside the promise of course, the promise was for a while, 430 years before the law entered. <laughs> it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. What the law does is show us our sins. He said, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law, his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Said so now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. I wish I had time to be able to explain this. See, when God made the promise to Abraham, God did not use an angel. He did not use a mediator. God himself made the promise. And when God makes a promise, it is bound by his oath. It is bound by his person. God will have to die. God will have to cease to exist for the promise to fail. <laughs> so, it is by far stronger than the law. The law was only given to show people how sinful they are. In other words, it will show people how much they needed God. They could not help themselves. They had to turn to God. He says, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law alongside, gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than, a, if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But we cannot obey it. That's the problem. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. The scripture declares we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promises of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. The problem is not the law. The law is it's okay. The law is perfect. Thou shalt not kill. Is it not good? Thou shalt not steal. 
It's, it's great. The problem is man cannot keep it. It is the weakness of human nature. That is why God made the promise. Hallelujah. Let's try and round this up. Say, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. The law was taking care of us. We were kept in protective, protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. It's like somebody taking care of your child until you came back. Now that you are back, uh, the person taking care of the child is insisting that uh, he will continue taking care of the child. It doesn't work that way. Guy, move out. <laughs> my child is my child. Until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. Until Christ came, it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law of God. We no longer need the law as our guardian. Hey, I wish I was in church this morning. We don't need the law. You don't need the law as your guardian. Give up the law. Accept Christ. Accept grace in Christ. And see how cheap is it to live for God. 26, for you are all, for you are all children of God through faith. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Will you, will you declare with me this morning, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Yes, I am a child of God. He said, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We put our faith in Christ Jesus. We became children of God. And who and all who have been united with Christ in baptism are put on Christ like putting on new clothes. All who have been united with Christ in baptism, the baptism is twofold. There is a spiritual one, there is the physical one. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. I have put on Christ. You have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So in other words, we have thrown our old clothes away. The old clothes is the sinful nature. The old clothes is trying to obey the law. Since there is no longer Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Galatians chapter 3 is so powerful. If you understand this, hey, hey, you, will never, you will never struggle ever again. Eh? You will never struggle with sin ever again. You will never struggle with the devil making you feel that you are a sinner. <laughs> You have put on Christ. Eh? Let me read that please again. It says, look, it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, when you became born again, you were baptized into Christ. I've put on Christ. I have put on Christ. Eh? I cannot take him off. Sadly, you can't take him off me again. So, let's round up this morning. You are a child of God. Eh? <laughs> it says, for you are all children of God through faith. You are a child of God, I declare this morning. And the way we became children of God is our faith in Christ, not the way of the law. The law was our guidance once, but now we have accepted Christ Jesus 
And so this morning, will you declare with me, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I accept the way of faith. Lord, I will live every day by your grace. I will live every day for you, Lord. Father, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.